Welcome back to another episode of the Kettleman U podcast. I don't know about you, but I have had my eyes on the King Ranch Institute at Texas A&M for a long time. I think the program is incredible, and I really have been interested in the philosophy behind it and why they got started. And so I'm excited to talk with Rick. He has been in the ranching industry for a long time and is a part of the King Ranch Institute at A&M. Listen with us as we learn more about his experience on today's podcast. Welcome, Rick. We are so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. It's a pleasure for me to be on the podcast, and thanks for asking. You're welcome. Why don't you just start by giving a little background and history about you and what you're doing for a living? Okay. Great. Be glad to. Look, I'll, I'll start with where I am now and just kind of work backwards if that works for you. So uh, currently, I am a professor in the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management, which is located on the campus of Texas A&M University, Kingsville. If you're not familiar with Texas, Kingsville is on the Gulf Coast, about 30 miles down the coast south from Corpus Christi. Many people have not heard of Kingsville, but most have heard of Corpus Christi. So been here uh, since the summer of 2016. Primary role here is to mentor grad students and work with our outreach education program. And I'll have more on that a little bit later in the podcast. Prior to coming here in 2016, I did about 25, 26 years with Texas AgriLife Extension Service and Animal and Natural Resource Management position was officed up uh, more kind of west of San Antonio worked uh, all over the state of Texas, primarily responsible for the western half of the state, more or less. And then that's been the bulk of my career. Uh, When I got out of grad school, to continue the backwards progression, got out of grad school, I did about a year and a half stint with the University of Florida, down in South Florida at a research and extension station. Did all my graduate work at Texas A&M College Station, did undergraduate at Angelo State out in West Texas, born and raised in Central Texas. So I spent most of my life in the great state of Texas. So talk a little bit more about what that program entails and who's coming to that class or that program and kind of what are the requirements? Okay. So the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management was developed and came into being in 2003 when the King Ranch turned 150 years old. The King Ranch family wanted to do something to commemorate and to celebrate 150 years as a family-owned ranch, and they're very philanthropic, very forward-thinking, and they said, you know, we could we could get together a pot of money and get our name on another building on a college campus, but we want to do something that gives back to the industry in a meaningful way. And at that time, some 18 years ago, they could see the need for professional ranch managers to manage many of the large complex ranches scattered around the country. And so they came up with the idea for the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management, which is a two-year graduate program. Our graduates get a Master of Science degree in ranch management. And to the best of our knowledge, it's the only graduate degree in the country that's a graduate program in ranch management. They spend two years, as I said, they come in the fall, take a complement of courses. The following spring, another full load of grad courses. The first summer they're in the program, we send them on a summer internship. And, and the goal of that is just to broaden their exposure to the industry 
and to quite frankly give them a break from the campus life. So we try our best to send them to a different part of the industry, the beef industry or the ranching industry, send them to a part of the industry that they're least familiar with. So if they come from a strong cow-calf background, we try to send them to a stocker or a feed yard operation or maybe a seed stock operation. And we try to send them to a different part of the country than what they're most familiar with. So if they come from the Great West, we may keep them here in Texas. We may send them to Kansas or Oklahoma, or we may send them to Florida, for example. We're blessed that we have an ever-growing uh, library, if you will, of cooperating ranches that are scattered literally from Hawaii all the way to Florida. And so we rely on those ranches and we're always adding to that library of cooperating ranches because they oftentimes are host for our internship program, but oftentimes even more frequently, they are partners in our projects. And that's a large part of the education that we do here at the Institute is we have these what we call service projects. We don't create them. They're not, uh, they're not academic. They're real world management decisions or challenges, opportunities that ranch management faces. And that's a huge part of our educational program. And so those projects come to us from a ranch and it's something oftentimes it's like, you know, hey, the, there's a ranch next door that's coming up for sale or lease. Does it make sense for us to lease it or to buy it? Or we're thinking about a change in our breeding program. Does it make sense given our vision and mission statement, our goals for where we want the ranch to be, where we are and where we want it to be? And so those projects are really, really meaningful. And our goal with our students is to challenge them with those projects. And they'll, a student will typically do from six or seven to maybe as many as eight or nine of those projects over the two years that they're here. Our goal with those is to challenge the students with management decisions such that when they get out, there's not many decisions or problems that they're going to face that'll be bigger than what they've done and what they've worked on while they were here. And so that's kind of the, you know, we, as far as requirements, obviously, because we're a graduate program, a master of science program, our students have to have a bachelor of science degree. We would prefer that be in something related to agriculture for sure and ranching even better. So our students will have an animal science degree, a range science degree, maybe a wildlife management degree, maybe ag eco, ag business We've had students come from academic positions. We've had students come from ranching jobs. We've had students come from the finance world. But we require students to have preferably five years beyond the bachelor's degree in order to, to apply. I mean, they can certainly apply. And there's any number of our students that will apply, not get in the first time and maybe reapply or for a second or maybe even a third time. We found that that Tenure beyond the bachelor's degree is very important for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it inherently builds maturity in those students. It gives those students an opportunity to be in the ranching industry or the business world. Hopefully, they've managed people, they manage livestock, they manage wildlife, they manage land. And so it gives them a much better feel for exactly what do I need to add to my toolbox to make me a better manager, a better general manager, resource manager, whatever the case might be. And so that experience, it separates our program from most other graduate programs where typically you would finish an undergraduate degree and roll right in and start graduate school, like maybe graduate in the spring and start your graduate program that very next fall. And so consequently, a lot of our students are 
you know, they're going to be mid to late 20s to early 30s. But again, we, we've had a vast array from as, as young as mid 20s to as old as to early 40s in our program. The other part of our program, so that's kind of the graduate program. The other part of our program is what we call outreach education. And we have a series of lectureships and an annual symposium that our students go to all those, but, but those are open to the public. And there's a whole host of topics from human resource management to the application of advanced genetic technologies in beef cattle, a prescribed burning, a systems thinking lectureship. We just added last year a managing the cow-calf business lectureship that's been very, very popular. We're adding another one coming up in about three weeks. It's going to focus on management of invasive brush species in the ranching environment. And so we're excited about that. Our annual symposium, the topic changes every year. It's always in the middle of the latter half of October. And this year, the topic that we've chosen to focus on is sustainability. So we attract uh, folks from literally all over the world, certainly across the continental U.S., that come to those outreach education events. So that, in a nutshell, is the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management program. Sounds like an incredible program. And I think something that's really needed, we talk a lot about running your operation as a business. Absolutely. In our outreach and in our education and our blogs, we think that that is the difference between ranches that get passed down to multiple generations and ranches that will go out of business in the next few years is it's a business with a side of lifestyle. It's not a lifestyle with a side of business. Right. And you see some incredibly managed operations. So if you had to pick out a trait or a behavior or a passion in all of these operations that you look at, that you send students to, what are some things that they're all doing across the board that we could learn from? I think your observation is absolutely spot on. And that would be, that would be very common amongst our students when they come, as we think about managing the ranch as a business, the vast majority of our students, the, the piece of the toolbox that they're missing is that business management component. And many of them, you know, have got maybe a lifetime or certainly, you know, their teen years up through when they get here, they've grown up on a ranch or worked on ranches. And so that, you know, the whole managing cattle, managing horses, managing wildlife, uh, managing grazing, hay production, they've got all that pretty much down. The piece they oftentimes don't have is, to your point, the business management skills. So we spend a significant amount of time in their curriculum focusing on accounting and managerial finance and those kind of things that help to sharpen their business management skills. And I think you're right. The, you know, the, the ranches that have been successful long term focus on the business management side. You know, they, they communicate well. They have a well-defined set of vision and mission statements that are more than just words on paper, but they guide the ranch and you know, the strategic, the tactical decisions, the day-to-day, the long-term decisions, they're focused on where they want to go, where they are now, where they want to go, and they're constantly working on how do we most efficiently and effectively get to where we want to go. Communication is a huge part of that. I thought when I came here and was afforded the opportunity to work with a lot of the larger ranches across the country. I I thought as I visited with those managers and, you know, asked them, what are your great challenges? I thought I would hear, well, it's marketing cattle, it's risk management, it's, you know, it's grazing management. Contrary to my suspicion, 
almost every one of those, when you, you visit with them, will tell you people management and communication is my biggest challenge. You know, Dave Delaney's a good friend of mine, was the GM at, here at King Ranch for the last 20 years, just recently retired. And, and I've heard him say any number of times, if all I had to do was manage, you know, cows, grass and wildlife, this job would be a piece of cake. But when you put people in that puzzle, it becomes very, very complicated and it's it's a never ending challenge. So the, the really long term, sustainable, successful ranches, they have a business focus. They have a profitability focus. They do a good job with their managerial accounting and know their unit cost of production is. And they closely evaluate in detail what effect the management decision is going to have on their unit cost of production. And then again, communication from ownership to management down to, you know, the high school kids they hire for the summer. They do a good job of communicating what it is and why we do it. We were just talking about communication in family operations, which I'm sure you see a lot of. And it's more challenging when we view, you know, the manager as our brother or as our dad or as our uncle. And I think it's a mindset shift of, you know, at Thanksgiving dinner, he might be your dad, but on the day-to-day, he is your boss or he's your business partner or whatever that looks like. And something that we've done in our business is when it's personal, I refer to my dad as dad. And when it's business, it's John Rose. Right. And I try to be intentional about the difference in the way that I'm communicating so that there is clear understanding about what role he's playing in that. So when we're talking about employees, which the employee market is very challenging, what do you guys teach or what kind of skill sets are you giving these students to help them manage employees? Are you recommending, you know, personality tests or kind of what are, what tools are you giving them in their toolbox when they're going to go out and manage people? Yeah, that's a great question. And the other comment I would have that I've come to realize is in the way of effective communication is an intentional effort. It doesn't just happen by default or, you know, it doesn't, doesn't come naturally for a lot of us in agriculture. And so like you just described your family situation, so many of us grow up in agriculture working with a father or a grandfather or an uncle or a neighbor. And, and it's just ingrained in our culture. You work hard, you do what you're told to do, and you don't ask why, and you don't ask a lot of questions. And that's probably counterproductive to effective communication. So it's just almost inherent in much of our culture that we're not good communicators. So to be an effective communicator in any industry, but especially in agriculture, especially in ranching, I think you have to be intentional. You have to focus on, I want to make sure that I communicate effectively to whoever it is that I, you know, whether it's, you know, across the the level of administration or up and down the administrative structure, whatever the case might be, uh, you have to be intentional with that communication. Relative to what we do to help our students, we will, um, we do a, a couple of things. We do an insights evaluation. We do a 360 review with our students to try to help them understand themselves as well as they possibly can. And then in addition to that, we'll have any number of Speakers, we, we have an HR a lectureship. We'll have an external speaker come in and spend the better part of two days talking about HR management, managing people. We'll bring in external speakers, which are typically ranch managers or people from the industry for whom we have great respect relative to their people management skills, their ability to recruit and retain and develop uh, employees. And then a part of the, pro- the, the plan behind the projects that I mentioned 
with the exception of their final master's project, every one of the projects they do will be involved in a team. And it may be a team of all six. I, I failed to mention that that's the sum total of the students that we have is we only have six at any one time. We graduate three every spring, get three new ones every fall. And so we may have all of them on a project or typically we'll divide them up and have first and second year students working on a project together. So they get in that small arena, they get the opportunity to lead those projects and be a leader of a team and designate responsibility and ultimately be responsible for the final outcome, which is typically a written report and an oral face-to-face delivery, or in this day and age, some of the times it may be a Zoom or another uh, digital platform. But we give them opportunities, admittedly on a very small scale, to manage a team, to manage people, and arrive at the desired outcome. Yeah, managing people is a lifelong challenge. I think it's a good challenge for the right leader, but it's something that I have learned is, you know, every day is different and people are motivated by different things. And it's quite the adventure to work with people and to lead people. It's an honor, but it is also probably the most challenging part of the business. Absolutely. I've read a lot of articles and I know that you really like to talk about profitability and break even. If you could give someone a piece of advice or a place to start, a lot of small producers break even is kind of eating the whole elephant. And so if you could give these producers a place to start on figuring out break even or starting to talk about profitability, what would you recommend and where would you suggest start? That's a great question. You know, I mentioned that that our symposium this year's focus is on sustainability. You know, there's three legs to that, to that sustainability stool. There's an economic leg, a social leg, and an environmental leg or pillar. And quite frankly, all three of those are important. Oftentimes, I think we don't put enough emphasis on the economic leg. And certainly, if we're going to be sustainable long term, if a business is going to be sustainable long term, it has to be profitable. And to your point, we oftentimes, we spend a lot of time talking about break-even or unit cost of production. And so where would I encourage producers to start? You know, I think we've come to realize that if you don't have some kind of managerial accounting, in contrast to the, the accounting that most branches have, which would be they rely on their accountant to do their accounting, and their accountant's primary focus is oftentimes minimizing tax liability. That's a different set of books and it will produce a different set of numbers than really good managerial accounting. The database that we work with of ranches would say that as you look at, at total cost of production or annual cow cost, uh, however you want to describe that, probably in the neighborhood of two thirds, somewhere between 60 and 70% of that cost is fixed cost. Yeah. The other 30 to 40% of that is the variable cost. Most producers focus on and are more comfortable talking about the variable costs. What, what's your winter supplementation program? How much does your winter supplement cost? What does it cost to put up a ton of hay? Uh, you know, what's your pickup cost? What does this piece of equipment cost? Whatever the case might be. When in reality, it's that other two thirds of the cost structure, i.e. the fixed cost, that's really the 900 pound gorilla in the room, if you will, when you think about break even unit cost of production or or total cost of production. And so 
you know, managerial accounting is kind of like communication. It doesn't happen by default. You have to be intentional. You have to work at it. And so I would encourage producers as best they can to start thinking about putting their expenses into two piles. You know, at the end of the month, at the end of the week, every quarter, whatever the case might be, try to assemble those expenses into, okay, this pile is fixed. Whether I have 100 cows or 200 cows, these costs are going to be there. And then my variable costs that change as my cow inventory changes. Because oftentimes what we see is the real opportunity for producers to affect break-even or unit cost of production. The real big opportunities where there's significant leverage is on the fixed cost side. And if you don't know what those are, it's hard to manage them. And so I would encourage producers to be thinking from a managerial standpoint, okay, what's my fixed cost? What's my variable cost? And then, for example, you know, most cow-calf operations, it's a fixed cost business. There's, again, two-thirds of your costs are going to be fixed. You know, we oftentimes say as individual producers or even as a cooperative of producers, we really don't manage the market. We don't set market price. So in the whole profitability, you've got, you know, revenue uh, minus expenses is, is equal to profitability, hopefully, is equal to the net income. And so we have the opportunity to manage the cost side of that equation and have much bigger impact affecting break-even and unit cost of production from the cost management side than we do on the revenue side. That's not to say, nah, don't worry about marketing. Absolutely. We ought to work as diligently on marketing the commodities that we produce as we do at producing those and taking care and being good stewards of the resources that are entrusted to us. We ought to work equally hard at, at marketing the outstanding products that we produce. It's definitely a two-sided equation, right? And I think we like to control our income or attempt to control our income. Right. When a lot of headway can be made on those expenses. And the one expense that I always kind of push back when someone says, you know, well, I can't cut anywhere else is insurance. And I say, you know, I ask them, when was the last time you got an insurance quote? And for most people, it's so oh, three, four, five, 10, 15 years ago, they've just been going with the status quo. And I encourage these producers every year when it comes for renewal, you should get an insurance quote from a broker because right then it's two phone calls and it could be a $1,500, $2,500. I mean, depending on what you're insured, but that's a cost. And there's a lot of costs like that, right? Where we just kind of accept it and there's room for some savings on expenses like that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, I'm as guilty as anybody. Once you have a, a contract or a policy with somebody, it's just so easy, especially if you've established a good business relationship with them. It's just so easy to, to say, to your point, uh, it's going to renew. It's going to roll over. Yeah, just let that happen. I'm busy. There's another fire I need to put out today. So I, I think that's that's wise management. And I think that's that ultimately lands in the in the lap of the general manager is as his or her responsibility to see that that gets done. Either they do it themselves or if it's a larger operation and they have a controller or a business manager, whatever the case might be in some of those larger operations, somebody's responsible uh, to review those in a timely manner, at least every other year. If not, I think annually would be the ideal to your point, but somebody's responsible because, you know, it's just like, cable TV or anything else, those costs go up over time. And, and we tend not to just notice, you know, oh, it went up 5% now and oh, it's another 10%. The next thing you know, they're pretty significant. And to your point, 
there, there may be an opportunity to get the same or even better services for the same or less money. Yeah, absolutely. And so when people are thinking about expenses and, you know, starting to dive into those, I think you can pick around the edges and make a big dent. You know, you don't need to find a new building perhaps, and it might just be a simple call to your insurance agent that makes the difference between this year working and not. And so I encourage people to not overlook those things, all those little pieces when they're working on profitability, because profitability and changing your mindset on profitability is a hard conversation. Right. I have a lot of ranchers who say, and a little bit about my background, just to help you give some context is we buy about 35 thousand feeder calves in Montana and Idaho. And so I hear a lot of ranchers, right? Every year the market's up or down and a rancher will get five cents less for his calves and tell me he lost money. And I always ask and prod a little and say, well, how do you know that? And the answer is, well, I got less than I did last year. And that's not the right conversation we need to be having. It's a whole shift in mindset. If we want sustainability, if we want longevity of our operation, profitability doesn't necessarily have to do with what our calves sold for. Yeah, that's a great point. The equation is so simple, you know, profit or, or income is revenue minus expenses. And to that point, you know, well, I got, I got $5 a hundred less for my calves this year. So I made less money. Maybe, you know, what if your expenses were appreciably less than last year or that year that you got $5 a hundred weight more and you think, well, I'm more profitable, but, what if my unit cost of production was 15% higher? And so that gets back to, you really don't know unless you got, if you got those expenses divided into those piles and you can really accurately determine what unit cost of production. And, and frankly, where it gets really complicated is, and it gets complicated very quickly when you have more than one enterprise on a ranch. If I have this ranch and all I do is cow-calf production and I sell my calves at weaning, that's a pretty straightforward set of managerial accounting books. But if I then decide to retain ownership and add a yearling operation and or then carry them onto the feed yard and, oh, by the way, I have a wildlife enterprise and then we have some kind of mineral production or timber production. When you add those enterprises, then it gets complicated very quick because now it's still pretty easy to identify variable costs that go with each one of those. But then comes that big chunk, that two-thirds of the pie that's fixed cost. Now I have to allocate, if I'm going to do it well and assess the viability of each one of those enterprises, now I have to split that fixed cost out and assign that appropriately uh, to each one of those enterprises. And so that's oftentimes, you know, what we see a lot in this part of the world is ranchers will say, man, I wish my cattle enterprise was as profitable as my wildlife. And you'll, you get to visit with them, oh, really? Yeah, well, awesome. Tell me about your wildlife enterprise. What's the fixed cost associated with your wildlife enterprise? And they'll get this look on their face like, mm, I don't assign any fixed cost to my wildlife. Oh, so the cows are carrying all that fixed cost on their back. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. You know, if you took all that fixed cost off your cows and put it on the wildlife, guess what? You know, your cows would be way more profitable than your wildlife. So, you know, it's really about, about cost allocation and knowing what those different enterprises are doing. And rightfully so, most of our ranches today are diversified, meaning simply they have more than one enterprise. They don't put all their eggs in one basket and rely on that one basket to, to be profitable and to make the ranch sustainable. And so, again, not to belabor the point, but when we have all these different enterprises, 
we really need to separate cost out so we can measure the viability and health of each one of those enterprises independently. Absolutely. I agree. One thing that we see with the listeners is they may be interested in hiring a manager or they may be someone who wants to manage an operation as they potentially grow their own or, you know, in between taking over a family operation. So what are some of the characteristics of the students that get into the ranch management school that make good managers? What's the difference between just a hired man or hired help and someone who's going to manage your operation and really help you grow and take it to the next level? What are some of those characteristics, some of the traits that you're recognizing year after year, all these students possess these same kind of traits or abilities? Yeah, it's a great question. Probably one of the first, and I I don't hesitate to say it's a prerequisite, but what makes our students really good and marketable is they come to our program knowing that they want to get to the next level. You know, they've managed a camp, they've managed a ranch, they've managed a unit, and they've risen to that level where they have aspirations of doing something more, of having greater responsibilities, but they know they don't have all the management skills. And so that's the student that's really good for us and that we can really benefit as they come with, again, with those day-to-day skills, the day-to-day chores, managing cattle, calving heifers, baling hay, all that kind of stuff. They, they've got all that. They know that. What they need is the business side and they're passionate and their desire to get those tools. So they want to go to the next level. They want more responsibility. They want a greater challenge and they know they need to improve their skill set, and they come here with the intentions of doing that. And we try to help them add to their toolbox, add to their network. And that network is huge. Not only that network of cooperating ranches that I talked about, but they add to that the industry experts and professionals that we bring in and and have visit with them. But they also have that network of of alumni. And so we've got like 47, 48 alumni uh, out of the program since 2003 that are literally scattered all across the country in various segments of the industry. Uh, But they are, even though, you know, they span some 15 years, uh, 15 graduations, they're a fairly tight knit group. And the ones that graduate get to know, know many of our alumni and then can call on those alumni that have been, you know, that they've managed some of the challenges. And so they've got that as a resource to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, Hey, you've probably figured this out. You've had this challenge before. Tell me, tell me how you managed through it. So that is a very valuable resource, that network that they build uh, while they're here that, or that they add to while they're here in the program. But so to summarize, to answer your question, they've got the desire to do uh, something bigger and better. They want a bigger challenge. They want more responsibility. And so they come with that attitude to know I need to add to my toolbox. I need these skills to get me Uh, to that next level. They're hungry. They're hungry. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and the other thing that that does, you know, they've been out of, they've been out of college for five years. That then gives them the opportunity to demonstrate to us as a potential student, they're passionate about the ranching industry, whether that's wildlife, livestock, or a combination thereof, they've demonstrated that they're serious about it. They're going to be worth our investing two years of time in them, and they're going to stay in that industry. And, and again, it may be they may be managing a ranch. We've got a student that's in the trust department of a large national bank. He doesn't manage any particular ranch specifically, but he's got a whole cohort of ranches underneath him that he's responsible for. And we've got people that are in the finance on the finance side of the industry. 
So that industry experience and knowledge they have only makes them, you know, a better lender in their respective jobs. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a great conversation. The last question I have for you is just, if you could give one piece of advice to the listeners, what would that piece of advice be? You know, I think the piece of advice is to your point earlier about lifestyle and business. I'm, I'm obviously biased. I don't think there's a better lifestyle and I would contend that there's not a better place to raise kids and develop young people than in the rural communities and rural environments of this great country. And so there's a place in this industry for everybody. And I would say that without regard to maybe previous experience. One of our students that we're particularly excited about this year, she is a brand new incoming student. She grew up in Maine, not on a farm and ranch, really not with minimal farm and ranch animal agriculture experience, had friends in high school that had 4-H and FFA projects and realized she had a passion for animal agriculture. She left Maine, went all the way to Montana by herself, left family behind, got an undergraduate degree at Montana State, and has spent the last six years in the industry demonstrating her passion for the industry because she's worked in every aspect of the industry. And so I think pursue your passion. And if, it, if you're passionate about being a steward of the resources that can be entrusted to you, uh, there's not a better life, a better career, a better place to, to have and raise a family than agriculture, whatever that might be, whether it's row crop agriculture, whether it's recreational agriculture, whether it's beef cattle production, sheep, goats, horses, chickens, poultry, whatever the case might be. We have done a great job in this country and whatever that demographic is, less than 2% of us feed the other 98% of us and the world looks to us. And so there's tremendous responsibility. There's tremendous opportunity in agriculture. I, I think the future's bright for young people that are interested in agriculture, want to be a part of a phenomenal, phenomenal industry. The last thing I would say is, again, just to mention the program, if you want to find out more about our program, you can simply type in K-R-I-R-M, King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management in Google, will be the first website that pops up, particularly those listeners that might be thinking about, how can I add to my toolbox? How can I be a manager? Man, we'd love to visit with you. If, you, if you're remotely interested, drop us an email, pick up the phone and call us. We'd love to visit with you. We'd love to get on their radar. And thank you for this opportunity to be a part of your podcast. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining. And absolutely, we'll put all of your contact information in the show notes so people can reach out to you. I've actually been on your guys' mailing list for a long time and getting the information that you are sending. And I think you said two things that I want to hit on. One, you can tell her go Bobcats because I also have an animal science degree from Montana State University. So um, that diploma is hanging up in our house. The other thing though is we need everyone who wants to be in this industry. And I tell people all the time, if you don't think like the next person, then we need you even more because we have a big responsibility. It's an honor, but it's a huge responsibility to feed the world. And it's going to take every personality type, every Enneagram, every different style of teaching and doing in order to accomplish this and to feed people well. And so I always tell people, you can be involved in the industry in multiple different facets. It doesn't have to look like running cattle, doesn't have to look like farming. We need everyone who wants to be here and bringing whatever skill sets they bring to the table. Absolutely. I agree. 
Meet us in Nebraska. This September, on the 16th through 18th, we'll be hosting the Cattlemen U live event in Grand Island, Nebraska. This event will feature industry-leading speakers, groundbreaking tour stops, and cattle handling demos that will allow you to refresh your skills. Whether you're a first-generation rancher or next-generation rancher, Cattlemen U is for you. You don't have to be a member of Cattlemen U to meet us in Nebraska. Grab your tickets today at cattlemanulive.com backslash live dash events. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cattlemen U podcast. And remember, the grass is greener where you water it.